Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everybody, welcome into an all new episode of Can We Please Talk Podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Saveri. On the program today, Nick, our halfway point as you and I are both on vacation right now, but we decided to give the good folks out there a look back at the year that's been so far on this program. So many topics and guests, correspondents across local and national outlets, host of podcasts, um, network TV anchors, members of Congress. It's been a fun year for us on the pod in terms of the guests, but but it's also been a tough year with some of the issues and topics we've covered on this program. Immigration and the stories of things that are happening at the U.S. southern border. Mass shootings that just continue to happen here in this country. It's a uniquely American problem, as our friend Amna Nawaz of PBS NewsHour once said on this program. To even rights in certain states are being taken away Supreme Court decisions that continue to happen that affect all of our lives. So before we get into the episode, Nick, just for you and I, what has been some of the things that have stood out to you so far this year? Going into the third year of our show, halfway point, some of the guests that we've talked to, like what's really stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm dealing with a little bit of recency bias because, you know, obviously you know, we're at a time right now where we're seeing decisions from a what I would consider a capricious Supreme Court, you know, some days it's what seems to be sensible, sensible decisions, uh, and then others that seem to be politically motivated. Like, obviously, we're dealing with that right now with the, <clears throat> you know, last year was the last year was, you know, the end of Roe versus Wade. And now it's the end of affirmative action. Um, so, I, you know, what dominates me, what dominates headlines for me is a lot of how really nine people are really just 
making critical decisions that impact all 50 states, more so than probably at any other point in my lifetime. Um, you know, as you mentioned about the mass shootings, it's, yeah, I mean, that's, it's an on, it's an ongoing thing. I don't think I'm necessarily jaded by it cause I'm always angry every time it happens. Um, but I am resigned as I just mentioned about the court that, you know, we're in a place right now that this country just is not ready to, to meaningfully do something. You know, and I think one of the conversations that we're going to reference today at this halfway point is about that, is the frustration that we are sort of stuck in neutral on that conversation. So those, I think those are the two things. I think about where America really is just struggling to, to evolve and what seems now to be a move backwards. Um, and that's, that's what I'm sort of, that, that's what I sit with. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it, it feeds perfectly into the first clip we're going to play here of, of a congressman who came on this very program to talk about an issue that, uh, for me, it's been dominating my life, my thought process, and really keeping my family safe. You know, with a little one in school and another one doing classes and about to potentially go to school next year, um, it's top of mind for me. And it's it's gun violence. It's really the wave of mass shootings and school shootings, whether you think that the media is overinflating these things or not, that doesn't matter. These things are actually happening. And yesterday or a couple of days ago, I was watching the body cam footage of the shooting that happened in Allen, Texas, the mass shooting there at that mall where that guy just came out of his car, started open firing, open fire, excuse me, at folks that were about to go into an H&M. And I think of a family of four people with two little kids around the same age that you and I have kids at and three fourths of that family is wiped out. And there's a little kid left with no mom and dad and no older brother. And they were going there to return a t-shirt that day, according to reports. And that's been the biggest thing that has stood out to me is when you hear a story like that, and then you pair it with watching a video, which I think we should be posting more of these videos. The more of these videos that we can get out there so people see the dangers that these weapons are causing to our communities. I think maybe you can get the right ear of somebody that finally realizes it's not about the person operating the weapon and their headspace. Because if it is about the person operating their the, the weapon with their headspace, take the weapon out of their hand. They're not going to be able to do anything else. So we got to get back to uh, how do we convince people that are in positions of power to sensibly look at this and say, look, we want to take it out of the hands of the people that don't have the stabilities right now mentally. And that funnels into when we had Congressman Jamal Bowman, a Democrat out of New York on the program. And I asked him about what can you realistically do? Like right now, present day, you don't control the House. Uh, the, the Democrats have a little bit of control of the Senate. We know Republican positioning on guns and Second Amendment rights, and no one's trying to take that away. We're trying to act sensible here, curb this wave of gun violence, and especially things that are playing out, mass shootings across mundane activities, going to a movie theater, you know, going to school. And I asked him, what, what can you actually do? What can Congress do right now to help the American people? Well, listen, we can do a lot. Um, the reason why I said look at the data is because states that have more lax gun laws, like open carry laws, uh, where you can go into a, a gun store with a driver's license from any state and purchase a gun, purchase an assault rifle, purchase as many guns as you want. States that have laws like that have higher incidence of gun violence. And that is not only related to mass shootings, 
and murder is also related to suicide. So that's a fact. That is data-driven. That's why I mentioned to Representative Massey, he needs to look at the data. What Congress needs to do and should do is a very few specific things. Number one, we need a ban on assault rifles. Now, before people say uh, we cannot ban assault rifles, they will never let that happen. Uh, the Brady Bill, not too long ago, had a ban on assault rifles in our country, and we saw a dramatic decrease in mass shootings when that happened. So banning assault rifles is possible. We need universal background checks. Now, what does that mean? Again, in certain states right now, I could go into any gun store with simply a license and purchase a gun. In New York State, that has very strong gun laws, you have to take a class, you have to send out an application. There is a thorough background check and review process that takes several weeks to sometimes more than several months. And then you go back to the gun store and the gun store does its own background check. We need something like that in every state in our country. And Congress can pass a federal piece of legislation that does just that. Uh, number three, we need national red flag laws. Red flag laws. So if someone is a danger to themselves or others, they can be reported and not be allowed to purchase a gun. Fourth, we need to close sale loopholes. So in many states, person to person sale does not have to be tracked, right? So that that is a big, big problem. And also gun show loopholes uh, are available where those also are not tracked. Big deal. Lastly, Congress needs to force the DOJ to enforce laws that are currently on the books. Very specifically, the majority of law enforcement agencies, actually 10,000 out of 17,000, do not track firearm crime, meaning they do not enter ballistic information into a internet server that is tracked in law enforcement. They do not do that. As a result, we do not have the majority of the data we need to stop gun trafficking, to stop straw purchases, and to hold uh, store owners accountable for selling to gun traffickers. But the data we do have indicates who the gun traffickers are in certain states and which gun owners, gun show, uh, gun stores are most egregious in selling to gun traffickers. We know that information now, but the DOJ hasn't acted to hold those 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 people accountable. Yeah, it's you know you can sense the frustration in a and a member of Congress, you know, a person who is, you know, representing one vote of a district, um, trying to trying to continue to raise awareness. And, you know, what he brings up about the data is something that I talked about before. You know, there's been stories that the FBI, you know, feels like they're falling short on state level data to talk about where we are as it relates to crime in this country. And that's very much an outgrowth of conservative states that are unwilling to share information at the federal level. They probably would have done it with a Republican president. But right now they tr they choose to keep it in house. And that affects everything from understanding you know, police brutality to understanding gun violence to understanding, you know, whenever we have this conversation about crime, right? And then, you know, some folks like to bring up Chicago, which is really just, you know, buzz a buzzword for well, what about black people? And all of those conversations are hard to have because we're really as a nation not really dealing in reality when it comes to to statistics. Um and the coverage of that, 
is part of the problem too, is that we are being, in many ways, we're being untruthful about what's going on. Um, and sometimes that untruthfulness will come back to bite you in the ass. And that's what we saw recently with Fox News. And you know, my entry into this first entry into this conversation at the halfway point is the conversation we had with Rick Sanchez as we thought, as we discussed some of the recent changes in in the networks, you know, Tucker Carlson no longer being with Fox, Don Lemon no longer being with CNN. And Rick does a great job of explaining, you know, really what was going on in the decision making. And Rick brings that insight, insight of someone who's been with Fox News, who's been with CNN and is able to really comfortably take us inside what was really happening when those decisions got made. I think there's some material worth to the statements that Tucker made which are so obtuse when it comes to what he said about, for example, President Trump. He basically said Tr President Trump was a piece of crap, a madman, a nutcase, whatever he said. I don't remember exact words, but something to that effect, that he shouldn't be believed and that he's embarrassing and that this whole story about, uh, you know, the election being stolen was all crap and a lie. And then he went on the air along with everybody else at Fox and essentially made it sound like Trump's a great guy, a great leader, and it's true that the election was stolen. I think that single statement of everything I've heard from all the other anchors at Fox has stood out to me as the most profound. And I don't think that statement would have survived the rest of the cases that are coming forward against Fox. I think to a certain extent, it may have been important for Fox to separate itself from the guy whose mouth that came from, uh, for, for, for you know, for the sake of its own credibility, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if if Rupert and Lachlan probably sat down and said, there, "This is too much heat, not only from this and the guy's been burning us, and the guy said this and that, and you know what? Let's cut our losses. We'll find another one. What's the difference? Ratings don't matter anyway. We're Fox News. Fox News generates its own ratings. I remember." Uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the fat guy used to be in charge over there who I used to talk to him every week. What else? Yeah. Roger, Roger and I would talk all the time. Roger always wanted to hire me. He always wanted to, hey, you're the Latino guy. And I remember that I asked Roger once, cause he had fired a, a, a top uh, anchor over there. Um, and, and I, I won't say who it is, but her initials are Greta Van Susteren. And I was going home from CNN one night, it was nine o'clock at night, and I'm on the phone and Roger calls, Rob, what are you, Ricky, what are you doing? And I said, Roger, you got rid of Greta, huh? You made a decision? He goes, yeah, I could have paint dry and it would be the same ratings as she's given me. I said, what does that mean? He goes, well, I just don't think anchors matter that much. I can, I can put anybody in there. And he really believed that. And I, and I, and I think to a certain extent that that's true along the, you know, in, in cable news. And, and that's, I couldn't stop thinking of Roger telling me that today when I saw both, uh, both, uh, you know, uh, Tucker and uh, the other guy at CNN fired today. Burroughs furniture is built for the way you live from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation quick break from our pod to tell you about a new pod at fresh roasted coffee envy pods so if you go to freshroastedcoffee.com my partner's shaking his head that's a good transition what are you are you kidding it, me it was good no i shook my head i was like that's brilliant <laughs> thank you because you. You, i saw the i saw this picture earlier i was like i saw it, i saw what you're doing that's right it is a fantastic transition nick if i do say so myself listen the new envy pods over at our partners at fresh roasted coffee these pods are environmentally safe. They are compostable. And let me tell you something. When you open these individually wrapped pods, Nick, they smell absolutely delicious. You can check out these new pods from our sponsors over at freshroastedcoffee.com and enter in the promo code, new promo code, can we please get 20, all one word, and the number 20, can we please get 20 for 20% off your purchase? Head to freshroastedcoffee.com today. You know, we, we were laughing at that clip. Um, Rick, Rick's the best man. Um, and I, I always wonder if there's a reason why he's not on television anymore. And is it because of that he has that self-awareness where it's like, I'm going to say with no filter, whatever it is I want to say. And you know, for all the wrongs that Fox News does with the opinion section of the House, um, the one thing that other people that have come on here from Fox have done is honor, uh, honestly answer things. Open. No one has ever been like, hey, can you clip that out? And it's because at Fox, they let them speak freely. Like, if you if you truly think about it, they let them say whatever they want. Now, they end up paying in the court of law, as we've seen with these settlements from Dominion. And we have another one coming with a Smartmatic lawsuit. So it's cost them. But as Rick said in the clip there, they generate money because there is money in this political divide and getting people riled up about certain things. Again, I'm not arguing about you know the content moderation and stuff like that. What I'm saying is, is that I think the reason why Rick's not on CNN anymore, besides what happened with the Jon Stewart stuff and other network programs, is I think they want people that are a little bit more filtered, just a little bit more. Like, not, you know, <laughs> the initials joke right there was just so funny with Greta Van Susteren, who I used to work with, by the way, at Fox before she got let go. Funny enough. All right, I want to transition to somebody who 
I really enjoyed talking to, and she's become a friend of the pod, and and she has a new podcast out there called The Presumption. Uh, you can check it out. Her and another attorney, I believe his name is Jim Griffin, where they kind of break down legal cases that are playing out right now in mainstream media. And that is Sarah Azari. Over, she's a legal analyst over at News Nation. She's a criminal defense attorney. She came on the program a few months back, and we were talking at the time, if you recall, Nick, about former President Trump. He hadn't been indicted yet from, no, from nowhere. No state had indicted him just yet. Um, there was talk about New York potentially indicting him. And then there was the documents case and what Jack Smith's and the special counsel was probing into and still things heating up with the Georgia. But none of the stuff had actually come to fruition yet where the former president of the United States gets indicted and then appears before a judge and enters in a plea of not guilty. None of that had played out yet. And you asked her about which case was really interesting to her. And she pointed to the documents case. And I want everybody to listen to this clip because it's so interesting what she talks about with respect to the case and where we are right now in, in July of 23 and what has come out since Sarah came on the program, specifically as it relates to the document case. It was so interesting. And, and she's a great listen and really does a great job breaking down the legal issues and legal news uh, of the week. So the document case to me uh, so far is probably the strong, it's the one with the most legs, I think. Um, and it seems to me, you know, you've got, you've got two sets of charges here. You have the issue that the documents were highly classified. They were mishandled, they were removed and they were retained. And then you have um, the obstruction of justice and the criminal contempt part of it, where, you know, knowingly he was moving them around and then claiming that he had searched for them. There were no more documents left, et cetera. Um, so the DOJ, that their burden of proof ultimately is if he's indicted in that on that side is that he intentionally retained these documents you know and um intent is obviously an element of almost every crime mens rea we call it and so his knowledge that he had these documents and that he was knowingly refusing to turn them over to the national archives and then to doj despite multiple repeated requests is very key here and the fact that corcoran his lawyer is now an appellate court has ordered that he is to take the stand and testify and that uh, he and that 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 the attorney client privilege is to be pierced so that he could freely testify. It's unclear whether he's a cooperator or he's been given immunity. But, you know, attorney client privilege is not that readily pierced. So to to do that, that tells me that there is a belief by the court that there is some serious, compelling evidence of crime. Okay, because the crime fraud exception is one main reason why one of the biggest exceptions to the attorney client privilege. And so the next layer of issues is that not only Corcoran testifies, but oh, Lordy, there are tapes. And so the tapes come in, the documents come in. And and that is further piercing of attorney client privilege with respect to the documentary evidence. So you've got his testimony and then you've got the corroborating additional documentation, including recordings. Um, th this to me is huge, that an appellate court has ordered his attorney to testify, whether by immunity or cooperation, and that the attorney client privilege is going to be waived. 
Um, in this regard, it, it, it's really telling of the strength, I think, uh, of the case that the DOJ has. Yeah, I mean, she was very prescient with what she said because, you know, no, most recently, you know, we've heard tapes now where the former president is describing these documents to someone. And, you know, when confronted about it, discusses, well, this is bravado and, and really tries to downplay it. But it's like, dude, you're on tape describing these documents. And, you know, whether these are particularly the classified documents, the documents that don't have, that are not classified, like you're clearly talking to someone about this. And I don't know if early on he has sworn that he has not shown these to anyone, but clearly you have. And when we look at the 37 items that are sort of the, you know, what basically the indictment is based on, this is part of it. This is part of the conversation about espionage because you're now showing stuff to people who have absolutely no clearance to see this. So, you know, Sarah does a really good job of unpacking something that I think people are trying to get their head around. And when I think of another appearance on this show where someone does a great job of unpacking something that we are all kind of in the dark by or trying to live off through assumptions through, you know, I think about Alex Clement recently, you know, coming back on our show, uh, discussing what's most happened recently with Russia, where a private military company, in this case, the Wagner group, um, is openly critical of the Russian, of the, of the Russian military leaders. And so adamant about, really making a stand for itself that it was willing to march march up until 150 you know miles of the Kremlin you know to to make it real clear that they have felt under resourced and they felt they needed to be heard and I mean you talk about Provant though but you have in a in a, in a leader of a PMC um a former baker <laughs> who really? literally a baker folks um who has ties to the Russian president um, and is willing to take it to an extreme place. Now I say all this, and in the matter of 24 hours, it's done. This, you know, this effort by this private military company dissipates. The folks disappear. The head of it is now in Belarus currently. Who knows if he stays there? Um, and as this all happened, you and I, like everyone, like many people who've been paying attention to this story, we're kind of at a loss of how do you make sense of it? So we were fortunate to have on Alex, who you know, worked, who was at G Zero Media, and he basically took us through what I can best explain what felt like a, a spy action film of trying to make sense of it. I made a, a reference to Metal Gear for fans of you know of the video game series um, because this level of intrigue and military companies and espionage all this stuff was very reminiscent of of those stories but um but alex broke it down better than no one else could well uh two things one um it is certainly the biggest challenge that putin has has faced um and you know as i was saying earlier the key for being a strong man is that people have to believe that you are uh, that you cannot be challenged. Right. The second you open that box, you open that space which says, hey, maybe this guy is slipping a little bit that can metastasize very quickly. Right. Because so much of the strong man's power is basically an illusion of invincibility. Right. 
So that I think has been a little bit shaken with um, with, uh, with 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 Putin. Um, you know, from the perspective of an, of an of an outsider, first of all, I I I sort of disagree with with the um, with with the character. I mean, Blinken sort of characterized Prigozhin as a guy who, you know, criticized the the you know the the the, the reason for the invasion and made it sound like Prigozhin is some kind of peacenik, which he's certainly he's certainly not. His comments about the the cause for the invasion are taking a little out of context. His view is basically that it was right to bring the Ukrainians to heel, but that uh, Putin, uh, guided by his idiot advisors, did went about it in the wrong way, used the wrong pretext, empowered the wrong people, and basically made a hash of the whole thing. So it's important to to be clear that that, that Prigozhin is not a guy who wants to end the war in Ukraine. Uh, he he would probably like to wipe Ukraine off the map sooner rather than later. Um, the second thing about uh, how the West views this. You know, when all this was going on on Saturday, there was a lot of people sort of, um, you know, openly rooting for the idea of a civil war in Russia, which uh, given how, um, you know, some of the horrible things that Vladimir Putin has done is sort of appealing, right? You'd like to see that you'd like to see the back of this guy. You'd like to see him end up the way Gaddafi did. The problem with that is that you've got to be really careful if you turn if you if if you allow or watch Russia to turn into a basket case, right? This is not a country that you want to be in a state of prolonged instability or uncertainty about who's actually controlling things. Uh, this is the largest country by landmass in the world, borders with China, has the largest nuclear arsenal in the world, biological weapons, chemical weapons, you name it. <laughs> this is not a country that you want to be a basket case. So I think, you know, uh, I think the U.S. obviously played this well. They said, hey, this is an internal affair for the Russians to sort out. Certainly didn't seem to be pushing it in one day, one way or the other that we know of. But I just think that's worth restating, like and, and being really clear about that. It might be good to see the end of Vladimir Putin one day, but, um, you know, in a country where a guy like Yevgeny Prigozhin seems like the only person who has a chance of challenging him slash you might fall into some horrible civil war. It's not not a great outcome. You know, we were mentioning this on the episode. We said it to him off camera. I'll maintain it again. I put it funny enough. I put it on LinkedIn about for my personal LinkedIn handle about for my money. There's nobody better to explain what is happening in Russia specifically with this attempted mutiny by Yevgeny Prigozhin and what took place, what transpired, where the guy is now in Belarus. Maybe people don't even know the affiliation Russia has with Belarus, right? Like there are certain things in that region that if you are not interconnected to it, at least through research or you've done, like Alex has done correspondent work and been there and covered things there. He's done stories on independent media and the government buying up all of these independent media stations there. He's done a story on a Russian penal colony and he's traveled to it. Like, I don't know how he got access, but if, if that's the point of this show, and that's the point that I want to emphasize to people going forward, we've seen this with the scientific debate stuff and debate me, man. Like, you know, like I have just as much knowledge as you have, which equates to zero, because if you are not a subject matter expert in it, you didn't go to school for it. You haven't worked in a career in it. Why are you speaking about it for everybody out there that has the mentality of, I can talk about it, but then goes to a doctor when they break their leg, but then goes to a mechanic when their car breaks down. 
like you when then goes to the the Apple store when your iPhone doesn't work anymore, like you're going to subject matter experts every day in your life to try to seek knowledge and figure out the issue. Yet in other walks of life, you're criticizing those same subject matter experts. It makes no sense to me. And that's why this show, all of those people that you heard in this episode are all experts working in it, have worked on it. One's a lawyer. Let's get her on for legal news. One's a subject matter expert in Russian, has been a correspondent, worked over there, speaks Russian. Let's get him on. One's a former anchor that got fired by a major network, and he appeared on the, on the two guys show that at the same time, Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon had both been let go within a month, knows them both, got hired with one of them. Let's bring him on. And gun violence is happening, and we're all pointing fingers at D.C. Well, let's get somebody on that sits in D.C. That's a member of Congress. So that's my goal with this show. And I know that going forward, we're always going to be like that, talking to people who know what they talk about. Nick said, I can't find which episode it was, but he said it a while ago and we've adopted that line. We're on vacation. Uh, we are, I'm in Utah right now as of this recording. Nick is uh, setting sail probably again. I don't know what Nick is doing, but uh, he's on vacation. Uh, thank yous to all of those guests that came on the program, Representative Jamal Bowman, uh, former CNN and Fox News anchor Rick Sanchez, News Nation legal analyst and criminal defense attorney Sarah Zari, and G-Zero Media correspondent Alex Clement, and all the other guests that have been on this program over the past six months. We look forward to the next six months, some big guests lined up. Uh, we look forward to bringing you some great episodes when we come back after this uh, holiday break. So stay safe, everybody out there. You want to watch any of the video portions of the interviews that we've done with some of these guests that you heard in today's episode, head to our YouTube channel, type in, can we please talk podcast? We should pop right up and hit the subscribe button for me. Appreciate all the audio podcast platforms as always, Apple, Spotify, Google, good pods. Shout out to Acast, our hosting platform. We can't do it without them. And we can't do it without each and every one of you that listens to this program each week. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And grateful for all of you. I am Nick Severe. We'll see everybody next time.